everybody, we're back with another Commission podcast. This time, Keith Fisher asked us to produce a Christmas present for his uh, lovely wife uh, to cover her favorite movie of all time. It's a television movie. Uh, Saw 4. Saw oh, four, no, no, no. Produced uh, for the Canadian Broadcast Corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's Anne of Green Gables. Came out in 1985. This is going to be I, I first of all Merry Christmas Keith's wife uh huh Merry Christmas I I am terribly sorry uh if 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 we do not appreciate your film the way you do um mm-hmm. and you, completely ruin your future enjoyment of it you know <laughs> it's interesting we should we should commission the Because Show girls to watch Transformers the movie oh God and have them, you know the not not the, not the new one the old 1980s Optimus Prime dies. Something completely out of their wheelhouse, but but something that we have fond memories for from childhood, and see see how well it holds up. That's what this would be outside its intended audience for sure. What Uh, do we say? I mean, so this is the this is the uh, the harrowing tale mm -hmm. of an orphan that murders one of her foster parents to get to get out of a Mm hellhole, then is exiled to a prison island. In Canada, <laughs> in Canada, uh-huh. uh, where she is uh, abducted by two domineering older folks that force religion on her uh, and and, mm-hmm. and and induce Stockholm syndrome on her by public humiliation, by ritual pu- public um, humiliation, uh, forcing her to compromise abuse. her principles yes. at every level, basically. Yes, uh. and this results in extreme behavior. She's she's given a fits of rage. Mm-hmm. She tries to kill herself at least three times. Uh, she she physically assaults a boy by breaking a piece of slate over his head. Yeah, and it's, emotionally abuses him as well. It's romantic as hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least as romantic as a rat drowning in plum sauce. E- everything you say. just said can certainly be uh, gleaned <laughs> from this film, given a certain view on it. And I think... Oh, with my tongue firmly in Obi-Wan Kenobi's yes. cheek? Sure. Exactly. Uh, it, it, what in actuality, this is a movie about a very young girl growing up under difficult circumstances, and especially talented, smart, and motivated young girl. Yeah, and like, and and, and also like this whole. I fe- I kind of feel like that this type of story, the whole you know orphan with a heart of gold, with foster parents of gold that has all these positive things happen is a very, like, they just don't make stuff like that anymore. The last I can remember, I mean, it's got a proud history. you got Oliver Twist and Great Expectations. Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka, well, sure. Yep. Um, you know, Annie, the the old serial, mm-hmm. Annie, the remade movie, and I guess they're, Jamie Foxx is going back to that well. Oh, yeah? Uh, with, mm-hmm. a, with a remake of Annie hmm. uh, that's coming out this Christmas. But it's kind of like those tug at the heartstrings. I feel like most of the time, uh, you know, you get. I just feel like that story's kind of fallen out of favor. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Certainly in the circles I run in, yeah. <laughs> and like sometimes you'll see like the other where like you, you see orphans that have hellish experiences and they overcome, like you know the rescuers, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, where the foster parents are just villainous, and it's kind of a Cinderella story that these these people, with the help of woodland creatures or their own pluck and moxie, um, pick themselves up. But this is a, kind of a heartwarming tale of yes, of um, 
an elderly, I would say couple, but they're actually brother and sister. Yeah. And you find out as the story goes on that they themselves were victims of an incredibly intolerant child rearing that kind of left them emotionally crippled. And mm-hmm. Anne is so far on the other side of the spectrum. She's given the <laughs> profound flights of fancy. She tries to view her yep. life through these very romantic, you know, in the classical ter- sense of the word, notions of, you know, just high drama and everything's Sure, she values and- imagination and romance above basically all else, uh, certainly at the start of the movie. Um, and she she maintains that throughout. And this movie takes place over the course of what, like five, six years? That's the thing that I did not appreciate until like two hours into the movie, because this is a... Well, they don't say it until two hours into the movie, I think. Right. <laughs> and then my first clue was when she had to get her hair cut, because she's continually um, oppressed by her red hair and her freckles. Yeah, because the internet the internet hasn't been created and all the redhead <laughs> fetishes haven't come to fruition. Apparently, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's she's continuing. She and she, at one point she tries to dye, uh, dye her hair black mm-hmm. or auburn or whatever the hell she's always trying to go for, and it turns it green. Mm-hmm. And Marilla, who is the uh, elderly sister, has to chop it all off. And like the very next scene, it's or like two scenes later, it's back to shoulder length, or and she's got her trademark pigtails, and I'm like, what the hell? I even have my notes. <laughs> she's got the fastest growing hair in all of Canada. Yeah, it turns out they they did a time jump. Uh, yeah. and they do that several times in the movie, though it's difficult to notice. And and really, what I when I really the the last few time jumps because I think she starts off at 11 years old and she ends 17. Yeah, the last time I heard them say an age, it was 16, so I assume, you know, she goes off to some kind of prep school, and she... She she gets a teaching license, apparently, or whatever the equivalent in Canada was at the time. Yeah, and she's talking about foregoing The queen comes off the throne in a beaver pelt, and she touches a ruler (laughs) to both shoulders, and she's made a queen. I think Uh, she's made a teacher. I think that's how it works. So she might be, like, 18-ish by the end of that thing, because it seems like... At the end, she says, well, I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to take care of you, right. uh, Aunt Matilda, or whatever her name is, Marilla. Marilla. This, speaking of Marilla, mm-hmm. does she look exactly like Kate Mulgrew to you? No, she looked <laughs> like... I feel like I've seen her in a horror film before, like House or some the old <laughs> 80s horror film, because she's got kind of that grim smile. Like, when she smiles, you can see her skull. Yeah. Um, she's a very formidable woman, mm-hmm. um, and she's great for this role because, like, Matthew, who is her brother, is a sweet old man, and he, like, falls in love with this girl from the moment he meets her. Yeah. Like, you can tell he's just charmed thoroughly by their long... But, but there's also this weird dynamic where Marilla doesn't want him having any involvement with the raising of this child. Sure. Like, she wants to... She says, don't, don't get in my way. Don't tell me how to raise this girl. I'm going to do it. But, like, she seems very strict about it, whereas Matthew seems very loving and open and willing to, you know, yeah, uh, kind of not tolerate her faults, but just, like, right. almost encourage her to be the person she wants to be. Sure. And I think it feels like that she needed both types to raise her. Yeah. And yeah. Marilla ends up, you know, at some point in the film, she, like, you know, halfway through, she kind of, like, gives in and decides she's appreciative. Because the first, she's like... You know, the, the whole reason they wanted another an orphan 
is that they're an elderly brother and sister who've been left his family farm mm-hmm. and the years of catching up to them and they're starting to notice that it's it's harder to keep up with things. So they wanted a boy. Yeah. They wanted a slave that they could then put out in the fields and Essentially and, it gets and, dark. Yeah, it gets it gets dark. There again, I'm I've got the Obi Wan Kenobi uh it depends on your own point of view. But uh, they, they get into some mix-up. Uh, they get a girl instead. Yep. And by the time he rides back to the house, he's decided he wants to keep her. And, you know, she's always finding, you know, well, first of all, she's a girl, not a boy. What are we going to do with the girl? Then it's uh, she's a liar and a thief because there's a misunderstanding. There's the great brooch, the brooch. scandal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which Anne kind of plays in her hands because she's like, "You're gonna stay in your room until you have until you confess." And then Anne just comes up with this elaborate confession, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Well, that's it. She's a thief. Gonna send her off." And then she finds her brooch later, and's like, "You know, why did you confess?" Because well, you said you wanted me to. So I wanted to make it a good one. And <laughs> I mean, that, that's I guess the problem for me. There's a couple problems. Number one, this <laughs> wait that you're not a 12 year old girl watching this movie. That <laughs> might be the first problem. Well, it's like I don't I don't even know that it's a boy girl thing because I I reject out of hand the fact that you have to be a boy or a girl to uh enjoy you know, like Little House in the Prairie is the same kind of deal. <laughs> sure. Ch- children yeah. of all ages and sexes can enjoy that. And I feel like this is the same. Like if I sat my son in front of this, um, he would probably be entertained, especially if it was aired as it was originally intended and in two halves. Because sitting it's a long movie. Yeah, th- it's three plus hours if you just watch all the whole miniseries jumbled together like we did. Um, it took me two tries to sure. get through it. I watched the first two hours and I said, "Okay, enough is enough." And then I I came back for the last hour. Right, the, the last hour fifteen. This movie is three hours and fifteen minutes long. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's this movie just for background. It's based uh, a Canadian author, uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery, wrote this novel. And uh, it's been adapted several times, and in, in, in she wrote it in 1908, which feels like it was a kind – I would buy that that's contemporary. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's, like, 1880s. It could just be 1908, Prince Albert Island. Everybody's still in horse and buggy, and you got the general store and all that. Yep. Um, which I always it's think is – It's not Prince Albert Island. It's Prince Edward Island. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Prince Albert's in a can. Someone should let uh-huh. him out. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it was directed. It's been adapted to as movies several times. There was like a, a black and white nineteen thirty one one because that's mm-hmm. the first thing when we went to go download this or we went to go find this movie. We're like shit, this thing's impossible to find. Mm-hmm. This thing is kind of impossible to find. You can get it on DVD from Amazon and various other places. I, as far as I know, it's not streaming anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it was made in in the in the mid eighties. It originally came out on CBC December first, nineteen eighty five. It was Produced and directed by Kevin Sullivan, uh, it actually got its first American air in February uh, February seventeenth in eighty six, uh, where it aired on PBS. So my first thought was Keith's wife must be Canadian. My second thought is oh well, or she waited a year and watched it in America. Yeah. Um, but the pro- there's a couple problems. Number one, that you know it's it's got the production values um, and sensibilities. Of a mid '80s TV miniseries. Yeah, honestly, the production values were not a problem for me. I couldn't tell uh, because the video quality I watched this looked like it was f- it was converted with a potato. 
Oh, well. It was passed yeah. through a potato filter before it got to me because it was the best quality best best quality copy I could find and lay my hands on. Yeah, when I when I put it in kind of the little house on the prairie perspective, yeah. that quality didn't bother me at all. Sure. Um so the thing that did bother me is the sensibilities. I mean, it didn't I'm not saying it bothered me like, oh, I can't tolerate the sensibilities here. It's just so far outside my daily experience that it's hard to put myself in the headspace for a movie like sure. that. Now, did you were you a fan of Little House on the Prairie? Not really. No. My my mom, being the the wholesome Christian mother she was, <laughs> loved Little House on the Prairie. Oh, I bet. And I I enjoyed it. It was it had like scary stuff. It had funny stuff. She used to read like the actual uh, Little Cabin in the Woods. Like all the there's a series of Little yeah. House on the Prairie is like the last one she wrote. But there's a whole series of books that Laura Ingalls told about her life story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was her name. Anyway. Uh, and we used to read those kind of as a family. So I have fond memories of this kind of, uh, you know, I'm not, schlock's not the right word. Um, no, it's... Like Norman Rockwell, rose-colored looks at the past. Yeah, it feels almost like a genre to me at this point. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like its own... The golden age. Yeah, yeah. Being and, depicted. You know, stuff like... Um, uh, I don't know. There are a lot of movies that I've seen that have fallen into this category that... It's it just doesn't it doesn't make a mark on my radar, you know. Sure, sure. Um, so what else do we want? To, so do you have some? Um, I I appreciated. So let's talk about our favorite moments or some some twists and turns that the plot takes. Okay, because through the first half of this movie, I was laughing. There was a lot every of, once in a while, like yeah, just bit at the behavior of Anne. Yeah, she's and Marilla's she's so reaction. precocious. She's just like. Uh, I'm going to do things my way, and I expect that everyone else is going to understand why I'm doing them. I got a touch and, of, like, like I talk all the time. And... Redheaded Steve Urkel. <laughs> okay. And that, that kind of, like, ultra nerdy uh, and completely oblivious to the fact that no one else is operating on that level. But she wasn't oblivious. Like she, like, she kept mentioning to Matthew, people tell me I talk all the time, and I talk too much, and I should probably not talk, but I'm going to talk to you anyway, and you just listen. Yeah, that's that's the, that's that's Urkel, too. I mean, he had that kind of the same thing. You know, like, Carl Winslow's literally telling him to get the fuck out of his house every episode. <laughs> sure. But Carl's his best friend and buddy, and, you know, I had to go talk to my buddy Carl, and... So I got a lot of that, um, yeah, and the yeah, similar yeah. kind of amounts of, like, the especially when she was a kid she actually in the last hour the, the obviously the actress doesn't change at all no but the transformation is her pretty the stark. way she carries herself starts to become more and more mature and she never gets out of like her late teens anyway um yeah but she's portrayed by megan fellows which i guess is kind of a big deal in canada uh still to this day in fact um she got a prominent okay. feature uh, a, a prominent role in the new CW uh, medieval miniseries Rain. Hmm. Um, I'm not, I don't actually know if it's medieval. It might be like 1800s, 1700s. Oh, okay. Done a lot of research on this. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, but but the the transformation in her personality and you know, like you said, the way she carries herself and the way she dresses and everything really conveys that this girl is growing up. And that's what, you know, when they start talking university, that's when I like blink, blink. Oh, shit. This is actually spanning years, which, you know, yeah. I felt like that they there was a couple missed opportunities. This is a Christmas film, essentially. It came out in the month of Christmas. Mm, OK, I feel like this is the type 
this is the time of year where you're open for this kind of smarmy stuff. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas story. That's that's like Christmas story is my Anne of Green Gables. That's yes. the movie that feels now. Uh-huh. It's kind of been beaten into the goddamn ground because I feel like ten years ago everyone discovered it at the same time. Uh-huh. And uh, Yeah, I've know, been watching that since I was a kid. Sure, sure. Up. Um but it's like one of those things where it's everybody's family tradition. Well, okay. Yeah. Um but I I where's the snow? Where's the sleigh rides? Where's the Christmas trees, man? Years passed. That's what really yeah. threw me because it always seemed like this endless summer or this endless spring. That, but and and I, if if they showed the passing of seasons once, I missed it. Yeah, I don't think they did. Um, and maybe that's part of the the miniseries budget. Like, hey, we've got no, we got no, three no, weeks no. to shoot this thing. It's <laughs> July in Canada. What do you want? Yeah, like we need a girl who looks somewhere between eleven and eighteen. <laughs> Find it. Uh, no, no, no. That it feels like maybe that's part of the image of Green Gables that they were trying to portray as this ever sunny, ever pleasant place to be, because that's kind of what she views it as when she gets there uh, as a child. She goes, "This is the most perfect place in the world," and she starts renaming places. Yeah. Um, it felt to me like they wanted to portray Green Gables as that, not Green Gables as oh, well, the leaves are off the trees, it's snowing. Uh, you can't go outside because it's too cold. Like, well, I mean, that that's the thing. thing. You wouldn't portray it that way. But I mean, like, I just feel like maybe the book didn't do this either. But I feel like with Canada, you know, yeah, they, winter's snow. a big deal, and <laughs> you know, the the sleighs and snowmans and Christmases and all that could have been fun. And also, I would have immediately got that. Oh, time is passing. Because I'm yes. telling you, yeah, it yeah. was a goddamn shock when I got two hours it of the movie and realized that like four years had gone by. Yeah, you told me, you texted me, you're like, are you are you aware that time is passing in this film? I'm yeah. Like, nope. Because we both stopped the first, we, we, we agreed to watch it one night and then we both stopped. Yeah. Um, part of it because we wanted to get with Keith and like, are you sure you want us to do this because... <laughs> We're two this hours is I, I, like this is a as a Christmas present for your wife. I'm not sure if this is going to make the mark, man. Um, yeah, but after having watched it, like I, I won't say that it's bad. It just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, but that's not who it's for. I think. But even on that thirty level, something, thirty something dude, yeah, is not going to care as much for this film as a twelve year old, as just, a eight year old. It's you know? like I always try to tell people to think Disney World is great, even as adults. That you know, I didn't ever go to Disney World. My mom was virulently anti magic and anti Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, if I went, I mean, I could maybe appreciate it now if I took it to. I took my son to go to Disney, but that's kind of his mom's deal. Um, yeah. I could maybe appreciate it through his eyes, but just going like as a couple yeah. to Disney World seems like the purest form of hell to me because <laughs> it's just too late for me to associate that with fun. Yeah, and I think there's you no got nostalgia there. Some of this, some of this movies, uh, it works on the, on on the same level. It's like you know, if you didn't, if you're just seeing this as a jaded. 38 year old man who's you know yeah. catching this in between season two of Breaking Bad it's... right you're pointing and laughing at it is what yeah, you're yeah. doing but but having said that a, yeah for a kid I think this is a very inspirational story I mean you, you take a sure. character who is in very harsh circumstances and I, I like the contrast between where she starts and where she ends up as far as her environment mm-hmm. um, but, but you take that that very harsh beginning and you see that this girl doesn't necessarily get herself out of it, but she is like motivated to to do all these interesting things with her life, and that it turns out okay for her, and better than okay. Uh, it turns out great for her. 
Yeah. So and when you're when you're a kid watching this, you're thinking, "Oh man, that that could be me. That could be how my life goes." You know. Yeah. Um. You know, one of the weirder things about the movie <laughs> was okay. the fact that they had a a a, a teacher. You know, in the classic like one one room schoolhouse that he's teaching kindergarten through high oh, school. Oh yeah, yeah. There's this girl named Prissy who is portrayed as like uh, I don't know a 16 year old maybe, um, who's kind of backwards. And this this really geeky teacher is having an extremely inappropriate relationship with her mm-hmm. that all the students are aware of. But when I was researching this movie, I could find no one saying there is a pedophile teaching this school. And the town runs him off, uh-huh. but nobody like there's there's no mention of this. Like I found article after article about t- people telling like all the wonderful things about this movie. No yeah. one mentioned the fact that they had a bespectacled pedophile teaching <laughs> all these kids. You know what I immediately thought of when I saw that guy? <laughs> I thought of this Dana Carvey's turtle character from <laughs> Masters of Disguise. If you put a wig on him. Sure. That's him. That's him to a T. Sure. And gave him like this superior attitude for everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> um Yeah. So that's one thing notice. I also noticed the one thing that's also jarring um is how fucking what what a temper that Anne has. Like she's not often provoked to rage, okay. but when she is, it's like white hot. She Yeah. The first day she's she she comes to Marilla's house. And she's tr- and she knows she's on very much probation. Like Marilla's, like I really kind of uh-huh. want to take you and give you up tomorrow. Oh, you you going with Miss Lynde here? Yeah, like yeah. Miss Lynde says some inappropriate things to this woman, but it's it, not not, s- not that inappropriate. She calls her hair red. Well, she's also going off on this orphan rant, which you know. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is mm-hmm. Anne's heard this tons of times. In fact, yeah, um, at her previous foster parents' house, they were very cruel to her, and yes. they said many things, and she just goes nuclear on her mm-hmm. and then again she and and she also says like i hate my red hair my red hair is vile she like any anytime someone mentions her red hair she just goes off on a tangent about how yeah. it's her curse and da 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 so boys at the school call her carrot head or something they just call her carrots yeah and I'm pretty sure, speaking of, um, there's a redhead ginger boy that I think is the redheaded bully from Christmas Story. Oh, you're kidding. The coonskin cap wearing wow. guy that Ralphie beats uh-huh. the shit out of in one of the climax of the movies. I'm okay. pretty sure it's the same kid. <laughs> um, but she bra- she breaks a chalkboard over the dude's head for that. Wait, the lead... The the lead romance because she breaks yes. the slate over. No, it's it's over his uh, head. Yeah, it's it's over the guy who she eventually Gilbert. hooks up with. Gilbert, yeah, yeah. it's over his head. He's yeah, the same no. kid from no 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 no. Christmas there's story? there's the redhead kind of instigator, and Gilbert oh. just kind of I think to fit okay. in was like going along, and also. It seems like if you if you listen to Diana, which is her bosom bosom companion or whatever the hell, Diana Barry. Yeah, uh, I guess that that was Gilbert's way. Yeah, that, of, I mean that's of, of, of saying, "Hey, I, I want to talk to you." Yeah, I don't Just, know how to give hey, attention. Carrots. I don't have attention. I don't know how to give attention to women, the girls. So I do it by tormenting them. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of little boys do that. Sure, the, that that's teasing, and you know, I mean, yeah, it might suck. Um, but you know, kids don't know how to do that sort of thing. They have no idea how to deal with social interactions. They're just experimenting right. and learning. 
I just it's and she holds a grudge. Oh man. my god, she holds a grudge. Because that's the thing. Like Gilbert is a ridiculously good looking, <laughs> super in, smart, intellectual peer. They make the point like we tied for first in everything we do, and he's he's other than that one interaction, he is a prince to her. Yeah, and as apologizes profusely on numerous occasions, <laughs> and she, I mean. She warms up to the old bat that continually mocks and mercilessly tries to rip her emotionally to shreds Mm -hmm. a lot sooner than poor Gilbert. (laughs) It takes him literally saving her life. And even in then, that, in that another river. year or two, to, even to, then, for that he, to sink in and mellow. He has to beg. He's like, I just saved your life. Uh, she's like, it was unnecessary. I was just hanging out catching fish. Uh, yeah, and he has to basically beg her to just forget. Which I don't think he actually saved thing. her life, but that was a no. But solid. Um, and here, who this, else was going to come along? That's the other know? thing I wanted to talk about. This particular movie is that I felt like it suffered a little bit from being a book adaptation because I felt like that we were kind of mm. cruising and just hitting, like we're a boat on plane just skimming over the tops of waves. So we were getting like the highlights of the books. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like there must have been something more to this Gilbert thing for her to hold this grudge because that's so far out of her character for everything else. So maybe yeah. he was a lot meaner to her for a longer period of time and then had to eat a lot more crow. Maybe so. I don't or know. maybe there's a lot more, you know, comic mix-ups in their relationship. Could be. Could be. Um, what do you think about the scene where Diana got drunk? Oh, I love that scene. Off of Marilla's uh, prison toilet hooch, whatever it is she's making. <laughs> yeah. She like, makes up some bathtub gin and stores it in her cabinet and <laughs> labels girl... it cherry cordial or no, uh, <laughs> raspberry, raspberry cordial. cordial. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Uh, there were some scenes in this movie that charmed me, certainly. Uh, and I think Anne herself, in her own silly way, was charming. Uh, the, the, she charmed me in the same way that she charmed Marilla and Matthew, you know, mm-hmm. like being kind of this precocious kid, uh, and being stubborn and silly and all those things. But those things somehow end up being endearing. Um, so there's a couple other things. Um, there's this big thing where, you know, Anne accidentally gets, uh, Diane drunk. Mm-hmm. And then Diane's mother, this basically confirms every bad thing she's ever thought about orphans and how evil they are. And she forbids the two from being friends, which what feels like, if I'm looking back, maybe a year. And then one of her children gets the croup. And Anne has croup experience. And she gets there and stabilizes the patient before yeah. the doctor comes. And the doctor credits her with saving the kid. So now they're back in. And not only that, but mm-hmm. this Diane is from like high society or what passes for high society in Prince Edward Island. Sure. And she gets invited to his Christmas ball, um, which there again, that's when the alarm bells started ringing. Like, oh, wait, this time has passed, but there's no snow underground or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew goes because he, he he finds out that she wants these this poofy sleeve dress. And he's got this romantic notion. He goes out and buys her this dress. This yes. dress, am I intended to think that this is an actually elegant dress or is this dress just ridiculous? I because think... the dress is ridiculous. I think you're supposed to to imagine yourself in the time and say, "Oh, this dress is uh, good looking." For like I, I saw later on the occasion, people are wearing dresses and stuff that looked, you know, because I've I've seen the Nick, I've seen Downton mm-hmm. Abbey. I'm not a stranger to Edwardian fashion. This just looked extra ridiculous, even by those standards. Well, yeah, I mean, 
it's it's tough when we come from like an age when sleek is seen as something desirable versus like this frilly puffy kind of thing right i i think it's meant to to where she looks really good like samus aran and metroid doesn't have shoulders that puffy (laughs) i I know um and she transforms into a ball the scene where matthew goes to buy the dress is pretty funny i gotta say He's he's very nervous. I don't know why he's so nervous about buying. Well, this because dress. that's the thing. Like you in his backstory, like wasn't there backstory that their parents were like super ultra religious? He was he's never spoke to a woman before. Now he's that's going. The thing. Yeah, he never. Now he's courted. going to a counter, and the the girl that works at the general store is very attractive and uh-huh. very friendly. And it's kind of like it felt like you know the whole uh, cliche mid nineties dad trying to go buy maxi pads for his teenage girl, sure. and he goes and buys a garden rake, and then he goes and buys a bag of sugar, a, bag a forty pound, forty bag pound of bag of brown, not just sugar, uh-huh. brown sugar, uh-huh. and um, you know until he warms up to the idea of maybe getting a dress because he's just so nervous he needs to ease into it, and that was actually I thought a pretty good scene as well. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of other good scenes that had me laughing. There's uh, an unfortunate turn of fate for Anne at some point where she goes up on – she's at the school and she sees some kid doing something daring. And then they dare her to go walk the ridge pole of this schoolhouse, I guess, or, or somebody's there's a, house. Someone is a barn because yeah. there's, there's like a summer – mid uh, in the summer celebration. So the ridge pole of a building is the, the pole that goes along the top of the roof, the very top. So if you have like a – a slanted roof, like an A-shaped roof. Sure, it's, it's the peak. at the very top. Yeah. So she goes up there and she starts walking along and she falls right off the roof on her her ankle. Apparently, sprains her ankle. Sure. Uh, Diana picks her up and starts walking her home. Uh-huh. They take an alternate route so as to avoid uh, Gilbert. Right. And then she ends up spraining her other ankle uh-huh. by falling into like what I can only assume is a cesspool. Uh-huh. Like she's sure. covered in excrement, uh-huh. and she is laying on the ground with two sprained ankles. Uh-huh. And Diana runs off in the middle of a haunted forest. Is yeah, what, is, is what Anne has said the whole time she's maintained this forest is haunted. Yeah, and I I just couldn't help but laugh at the unfortunate turn of fate. Yeah, for Anne. Um, I will say also that I was not prepared for the emotion I felt when Matthew keeled over and died. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that I thought because I thought we were going to experience that. Okay, but then there was only like fifteen minutes to go in the movie, and I'm like, oh, we're we're surely past any kind of tragic thing because there's just not enough yeah. time to deal with it. But fuck that, no, they just basically ended the movie kind of on a downer because Matthew dies, and I feel like. Matthew's the only one, except for maybe Gilbert, who really got Anne. Mm -hmm. Everyone else was bemused, mostly at her, occasionally with her. Even Marilla is kind of like that. Especially like the Aunt Jo, uh, who is the great aunt, I think, of... uh, Yeah, it's the great aunt of Diana. She kind of adopts her, and she's rich, and she has her over at her house to keep her company. Yeah. And she's like this kind of bitter old woman Anne wins over. But even she felt especially kind of condescending and like, oh, Anne, I love you. God bless your heart, kind of like. Yeah, in 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 the way that says, you provide me with entertainment, you're and so jester. I tolerate you. Yeah, yeah. But Matthew's she the only... says that at one point. Yeah, Matthew's the only one that kind of really just got her on this deep. In fact, I feel like Matthew yeah. could have been that if he had been raised by himself instead of his domineering parents that might have even died before he was 
I, I, I was yeah, a little I muddy on the backstory on that. Um, there wasn't much of that in there. I don't. Right. I don't know what's. Um, but she, he died. They go to the funeral. This guy offers to buy Green Gables because Marilla can't keep up with it. Um, meanwhile, Anne has got this full boat scholarship to a prestigious Canadian university. Mm-hmm. I assume. I don't know anything about it. Um, it's the Queen's University. I only assume that's the one that was built by the Queen of Canada. In her with beaver her bare pelt, hands. Yep. With her giant wooden mallet. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> shaking my Canadian history. Right. You guys did kick her ass in 1812, so you got that. Um, but but uh, she's going to give up the give up the farm, and and uh, Anne decides to drop out of college, go back to teach a school like f- a, a a day's ride away, and she'll she'll basically come uh, you know board there during the weekends, or I don't know exactly what the scheme is, and and finish college of correspondence, which I don't know what that entails, but like correspondence school back then where it's actually like horses carrying letters that must have been pretty rough oh i bet yeah but it kind of like a and then there's a little bit of a happy ending because gilbert comes back he's a school teacher too he actually had the job in her hometown um and he gives that up and says i'll take the job at the board you know the place where you got a board so you can be closer to marilla and help her out Mm -hmm. but it's kind of a downer like she was on this trajectory where she was going to go on to bigger and better things and i feel like she downshifted to Try to pay back to Marilla and Matthew this debt she owes, which is all well and good. She does well of her, but it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, undoubtedly she does downshift her the trajectory of her life at that point. But I think there's something telling that Marilla says to her is that she's learned better than to try to stand in her way. And I think that statement to me says it doesn't matter that she downshifts here because Anne is such a motivated and capable person that she'll make that up eventually. Like, that's not going to get in her way. That's just the path that she's chosen. And that's what she wants to do, and that's what she should do. But like, she doesn't see it as, like, I'm going to become this famous doctor. She just sees it as, I, this is what I love to do. I'm going to go do this thing. Yeah. You know? I guess what, what I also, and I'm seeing this through modern eyes, it seems like selling the farm at a handsome profit seems like the best for everybody. Marilla can retire in comfort and can continue. There's no real reason it, to keep Green Gables. I was thinking the exact same thing watching it, but I, I feel like and, and, and I realize there's, there's a nobility in, in helping, you know, the people who raised her. Uh, there's like there are other more rewarding things that, than maybe necessarily going on to become, you know, a, a great educator or whatever she's going to do in the future. Marie Curie uh, or, you know, discover radiation yeah, or sure. But I, I feel like that's that's the thing here. It's not her she doesn't view it as taking a, a backseat to the wishes of or, or to the circumstances of her of her life. She just views it as this is a decision I'm making to help the people around me who've helped me so much. Uh I, I feel like in her head she's not taking a backseat. Yeah, life. and I know there's several sequels to this, which maybe this oh, turns out okay. like that they discover oil under there or whatever. Oh god, it like, comes to Beverly Hillbillies. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, Canadian hillbillies, even mm-hmm. worse. Um, <laughs> lots, lots more bacon and flannel. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I. So that's kind of that's kind of the movie, and I was surprised that it ended on. I, I don't know. I guess Gilbert giving up his position and them very clearly kind of pairing off is a romantic ending. 
But I think so, for yeah. the audience it was pitched at, which I feel like is firmly in the tweens. Yeah. Uh, you know, nine, nine, eight to, you know, 12 year old pe- girl. It's that, I don't know. Maybe that is, maybe that is what, what 12 year old romance looks like. Could be, could be, uh, there the were a inter- couple, oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to take us somewhere else unless you No, go shift it. Okay. Uh, you going to re- recite the high women for us. I am. I'm going to read the lady <laughs> of Shalott right now. Uh, no, no, no. I, so when Anne is younger, do I get in the boat? Cause my hair is all wrong for that. <laughs> uh, when Anne is younger, she, I, I felt like she was guilt tripping everyone. Like every, every 30 seconds she was like, if you do this, I'll surely be scarred for life. And what kind of person will I grow up to be? If you don't let me go to the ball or whatever, like she pulled that stuff constantly. Right. But that's, Everything was life and death to her. That's the whole thing. Like this flighty I know. romantic stuff. At some point during the movie, I was like, the first few times I saw it, I'm like, this kid is clearly manipulating you. Why? Why are you giving into this? <laughs> and then it was like, oh, okay, I see. So she is just this earnest of a person. Yes. It's not that she knows, like, she's purposely being manipulating. She's just that earnest. She like, is earnestness cranked to eleven for sure. Yeah, especially when she's a child. Uh, she just has no filter there. Uh, but th- that's about it. I mean, I I did not, despite the length and despite having to break it up into two chunks here, which I think it was meant to be anyway. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't have a problem watching this film. I, I ended up enjoying it more than I expected to going in. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I said, I can see I can see why people do like it. Sure. And it's a great Christmas film if you're looking for one to watch with your family. Um. You know, and if you you you've burned through. You've seen Christmas Story a hundred times. You've seen A Wonderful Life a hundred times. You've seen all of the Little House in the Prairie. Uh, you, you don't think the Waltons is heartwarming enough. Uh, grab grab uh, Anna Green Gables. I'm sure it's at your local library on DVD or Blu-ray. And uh, give it a whirl. Sure. So, Keith's wife, I, I hope uh, maybe you laughed at some of her observations. <laughs> Uh, hopefully you're not reduced to puddle of tears, mm-hmm. uh, questioning your life's choices. <laughs> if, if, if so, Merry Christmas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a happier new year. Um, but, uh, thank you. Thank you, Keith, for pulling the trigger on this and uh, commission this podcast. Hope, hope, uh, I hope you're happy with the result. Um, <laughs> if you would like to commission a podcast, you can go to subable.com slash bald move. It's the brass ring of reward levels. It's all the way at the very tippy top because it takes a lot of time and effort to do these things. Um, and, uh, and, and make us make us watch your favorite movie. Make us watch a terrible movie. Make us watch your fav- <laughs> uh, the, the first couple episodes of your favorite television show. Whatever, man. It is our, it is, it is our lot in life uh, at, to, to, to be at the whims and mercies of our audience here for these Apparently. commission podcasts. Yep. Um, but, uh, turned out to have a lot of fun podcast. Thanks again mm-hmm. for, um, commissioning this Keith and Keith and the girl. I don't, I don't know what his wife's name is. I'm going to say Anne. Anne. Okay. Perfect. Anne from Canada. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm trying right. to end this thing, man. All Get right. us out of here. Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye.